Ships once sailed from its port to rule an empire that stretched from South America to Africa and Asia. Today, when you visit Lisbon, its vintage trolley cars rattle up and down hilly streets. They take you past bird-stained statues and grand plazas into intimate neighborhoods where multicolored tiles, wrought iron balconies, and terracotta roofs set the scene. We're joined now on Travel with Rick Steves by two tour guides from Lisbon to introduce us to its picturesque neighborhoods. Cristina Duarte and Rafael Pereira. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. So Lisbon feels to me like a collection of neighborhoods. How would you, Rafael, uh, define Lisbon in terms of neighborhoods? What are the big neighborhoods we should be aware of? Well, of course, there are the traditional neighborhoods like Alfama, Moreria. Then there is the Baixa, which is the neighborhood that symbolizes the reconstruction of the city after the big 1755 earthquake. And then there is Bairroalto, which is a neighborhood that is multidimensional. It has a very interesting historical perspective, but it's also the bohemian area of the city. Okay, so just so we can keep track of this, Lisbon has a, a grid sort of area between the hills, which is the, the downtown, and yes. that would be the Baixa, and that exactly. was destroyed in an earthquake in 1755 and rebuilt in a grid plan, which is quite striking for something from the 18th century. Yes. And then when you're looking inland, over to the right, you've got the old sailor's quarter, the Alfama, with a castle on top. And on the left, you've got the Bairro Alto. What does that mean, the high? The, the high, high neighborhood. The high neighborhood. And, and you mentioned that would be sort of bohemian and, and multidimensional. How would you describe this high neighborhood, the Bairro Alto? Well, it has a very interesting historical perspective because it is 500 years old. It was the first neighborhood to be built outside of the medieval walls back in the 1500s. And it was built differently than the city that existed before inside the medieval walls. How was it different? because it was built using ideas of urbanism. They built it not with a perfect grid, but in an orthogonal structure. So we can say, in a way, it was the first neighborhood in Lisbon since Roman times where ideas of urbanism were used. What's an example of urbanism? That's interesting. What's something practical that it had that other towns didn't? Christina? Planning. Uh, Until the 1500s, I normally say that the city happens Oh, it no. just happens haphazard. Okay, this was planned. Space, you have space, you construct, right. hmm. things happen. Urban planning. Yes, and on the 1500s, it was necessary to put an order to the chaos of Alfama with the yeah, cinemas. The Alfama feels like some sort of Morocco, uh, Medina yeah, or something. Yes. The streets were done on human dimension. You mm-hmm. don't need that big streets for big cars because there were no cars. Right. So the streets were done by human size. You needed to be protected from the sun, from the wind, from the rain. So it was on human dimension. And on the 1500, the things changed. With the Renaissance, now you have coaches, you know, like a, okay. the carriage yeah. that uh, so took uh, Cinderella the to the mall. Yes. <laughs> so you need to wide up the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the streets must be wider and uh, automatically you start to have a plan on the streets. You have to construct a city. You have to construct... You have construct, to have rules. Yes, you, rules. You don't just go narrow here no, and no, wide no, no, there no. because you, just, you want to have yeah. the, the carriage and go then, through. And be able to, to turn. <laughs> now, now, Lisbon was a world power in the year 1500, Vasco da Gama, Magellan, yes. and so on. Uh, you had quite an industry, I would imagine, for building ships. Do I understand there was a, like workers' quarters up in the... They in the were Alto. The, in the lower part, mm-hmm. on the nearby the river. Yeah. So from the hill of Alto to the river, all of that were shipyards. And, and they had uh, to house all, the workers somewhere. Yes. And uh, actually, our whole nature and landscape, Portuguese landscape, changed 
because it was necessary to plant lots of pine trees in order to ensure the the material to do that construction. Oh, they actually planned mm-hmm. that oh, also. Yes. Now, things are changing because now, even in the memory of a lot of the people you'll see sitting on the balconies looking mm-hmm. out, some of the older people, they can remember, like in the Alfama, when there were no private, private plumbing. Yes. And people would run around in their pajamas in the morning up and down the streets to go to the shower. You still see some, yes. You still see some, yeah. So that actually, in some people's memory, was still the way? I still see in Alfama. Yes. You know, I walk in Alfama almost every day, and you still see people in the yeah. streets in their pajamas. You still see people cooking in the streets. They don't have plumbing. They, no, they, 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 have to, they have to run down. No, it's just tradition. This is very interesting. There are a lot of fountains in Alfama, yeah. and you will see people washing their dishes in the fountains. Yeah. You will see people, men, Even uh, today, sh- even in this modern in the, time. I, I see <laughs> it, and I'm 28 years old, so it's not that, cannot be that old. Right. So I've seen men shaving in the fountains of Alfama. Now, what is an explanation for that? They, they have water in their house, but the community environment that still exists in Alfama, it's disappearing. Right. But it still exists. It promotes this need, this necessity that the people have to go to the streets, to live in the streets. That is something very, um, it's commonplace in Europe now that people will intentionally have a small refrigerator so they have to go to the market. They will intentionally go to shave at the fountain just so they can connect with their neighbors. Well, in Alfama, what happens in my perspective is that there is not the house and the street. I mean, the street is the continuation of the house. Yes. Yeah, it just continues. Life in the street. It continues. People have their windows open, their door opens. They set the table outside. They cook their meals with grilling. They they decorate over the street. I mean, you don't decorate your house, you decorate your your street. They have their gardens. Yes. (laughs) They have the gardens in the street. It's the continuation (laughs) of your house. I always tell travelers that the best way to distinguish a person born and raised in Alfama is to look for behavior. Because if you see someone in the streets relaxed, talking very loud, as if they were in their house, yeah. is because they're from Alfama. <laughs> it's interesting you say that because I've been going to the Alfama. This, by the way, is the, the quintessential old sailor's quarter of uh, the oldest part of Lisbon, really, with these winding streets. And a little tiny lane will suddenly become a series of stairs and steps uh, built before there were cars there ever. I remember even as a kid, people just sitting in the street like they owned it. Yes. This was unique. This was their, their home. What's the big party in, in Alfama? It's in June for St. Anthony. St. Anthony's party. The night of the 12th of June, because mm-hmm. St. Anthony's Day is the 13th of June. And in my opinion, if you're ever thinking about doing some independent traveling in Lisbon, be in Lisbon in the 12th of June. It's 12th crazy. 12th of June? It's, yes. it's St. Crazy. Anthony. Okay, why, it's how is it? okay, let's say it's the 12th <laughs> of June right now. The sun just went down. What's happening? Well, you have to be in Alfama in the 12th of June. You have to go through Alfama because that was where St. Anthony was born. So imagine this neighborhood of winding, narrow streets and the entire population just packed there. Yeah. It's going to take you like 30 minutes just to go... Couple blocks. Couple blocks. <laughs> and it's one of those, those times that there are no rules. There are basically no rules. What are the activities? People are barbecuing outside, people are dancing. You drink wine and you eat grilled sardines, and you sing and you dance. Drink wine, eat grilled sardines, sing and dance. That sounds so fundamental. That's like earth, wind, air, and fire. It's just like that. (laughs) The sun just sets, so it is in in the end of the afternoon, and the local people of Alfama is not yet there. Because all the people that are now starting to party around 8 o'clock, they are outsiders. Where is the local people of Alfama? They are assisting to the parade. 
that is on Liberty Avenue. On the main boulevard the in Lisbon. The main yeah. boulevard, like the Champs-Élysées of Lisbon, okay. the main boulevard, there is a huge parade in which every district, popular district of Lisbon or neighborhood, mm. goes along this parade with their own customs, with their own songs, and there is a contest. So is, they are very fear about uh, and proud about. So they're going uh, yes. to do their duties yeah, to represent their, duties. their neighborhood in the big yeah. Macy's Day Parade. And then in arrive, and around midnight, everything is it's finished. So they come still dressing their costumes, and you can see if they won or not just by seeing them. Everybody's <laughs> party and say yeah. So, so and so many tourists are in their hotel at ten o'clock on on June twelfth, just thinking, okay, the day is over. No, it's just no, starting. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> but they will they will quickly understand that there's something going on <laughs> yeah. because already at lunchtime uh, yeah. people are in the streets eating sardines the the music is booming out loud so already you know there's something up <laughs> this is travel with Rick Steves we're talking with two friends and tour guides from Lisbon in Portugal Cristina Duarte Rafael Pereira and we're talking about the fun-loving neighborhoods of, of Lisbon. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Michael's calling from East Windsor in New Jersey. Michael, thanks for the call. Well, thank you, Rick. And hi and hello to everybody. Nice to have you on board with us. What's that? Do you have a thought or a comment for Christina or Raphael? Well, just the fact that you folks are all talking about Alfama, we just love that. We were drawn back there magnetically in the three or four days we spent in Lisbon. And it's just such a joy uh, the diversity of everything that's there, the views from it, and those little lanes, and so much character. And uh, certainly uh, a couple of the restaurants that you've been recommending for years, uh, we we fell into a couple of times. I think one of your favorites is the Farul de Santa Luzia. And in four days we spent in uh, Lisbon, we ate there three times. And the Cataplana is as good as you say. Cataplana, that would be the bouillabaisse kind of, of Portugal. Wow. I'm so glad you ate there. And when somebody eats there three times, you got to enjoy the, the service and the food, I think. Well, we did. We had our own table. You know, we had our same server, the same table, and we'd arrive and everybody would stand up and salute us when we walked in. <laughs> I love that sort of concept. You're a guest the first night, you come the second night, and you're, you're, you're a regular. Yes. We did feel like part of the neighborhood in that establishment, no question. And uh, the, whole, the whole experience in the city was delightful. We are so looking forward to going back and uh, exploring some of the other areas. And, and actually, one thing we have in mind is trying to settle on an area that we may want to spend a significant amount of time on, a, a month or two or three, to see what life is like there, and we're thinking maybe Madeira or maybe somewhere in the Algarve. Rafael, what would you recommend if somebody wanted to stay put in Portugal for a while? There is in the Algarve a place called Monchique. When you think about the Algarve, you think about beach. That is the touristic perspective. But if you want to get to know what normally tourists don't know, you go to Monchique. Right. There are mountains in the Algarve, hmm. and it's just beautiful. And if you have a car, you are 30 minutes from the beach. Mm. But when you are there, it feels like you are four hours from the touristic area. But you're actually just 30 minutes. I've got a friend who's a retired postman from Idaho that I met in Europe. And he's retired on a postman's pension. And he's living like a king inland on the Algarve, yes. up in the hills. Yes. And he's got a beautiful place, and he's got his car, and he's got his uh, maid that comes in and cleans up for him, and he's got the whole beach right at his doorstep there. Christina, any thoughts for Michael as far as where he might want to... 
Well, Algarve can be quite lonely, though, quite isolated, and uh, nobody, if he goes in the wintertime. In the wintertime, yeah. It's, they are cities shut down. That, that shut down because there is, is not uh, the season. So it can be a little bit lonely, actually. Madeira, Madeira is an island where you have, there's a life over there. There's, yeah. There is a life over there. Otherwise, if he wants with a place uh, quiet, not that busy, I like Costa Vincentina and I like uh, Villanova de Milfontes. Where, so where are those the, places? Uh, in the south of Lisbon, between Algarve and, and okay, Lisbon. Yeah. Michael, thanks for your call and, and best wishes on your next trip. Thank you very much. We've loved uh, your, your guidance through the years. Appreciate it. All right. Good happy night. travels. Thanks. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Cristina Duarte and Rafael Pereira, and we're talking about Lisbon and uh, the, the charm of the various neighborhoods. And, uh, Rafael, we were talking about these neighborhoods that were very traditional, and there's still people, you know, if you know where to look, uh, shaving at the well in the, on the main square. Uh, but there is a lot of gentrification going on, and this must be an, a real interesting challenge for the people of Lisbon. Do we want to go modern, or do we want to protect our, our heritage? What are the challenges with gentrification uh, in the modern world coming into some of these neighborhoods? Oh, yes, I would say that uh, it's one of the most controversial subjects right now in Lisbon is uh, either this boom of tourism is positive or not because the gentrification process is happening as a consequence of the development of tourism. That is the is that reality. Right? That's a big part of the economy. Yes. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it has its positive and it has its negative. For the case of Alfama, we have to understand that is a neighborhood that people that live there, they don't go to the other side of the city. A person from Alfama to go to the other side of the city, it's a, something that they do once a year. Now imagine in the last five years, you have the entire world at your doorstep. Imagine the impact that that has. That is one dimension. But let's look at the economic uh, dimension and the pressure that they have to leave their neighborhood. Because Portugal is in economic crisis, and tourism is a very important part of the GDP right now. Hospitality and tourism is 18% of the GDP, and the tendency is to grow. Mm? So imagine, let's have this visual idea. Imagine you have a sponge, and it's very, very dry, and you put it in a bucket full of water. It's going to soak up, and that's Lisbon right now. Mm. Portugal is in economic crisis, and all of a sudden you have all of this money coming in, and what is the priority? To, Mm -hmm. To soak it up. And that's what people are trying to do. It's a, an amazing opportunity to make a short-term profit. And how do you do it? Accommodation. Okay. In 2012, after the liberalization of the rental market, anyone can come buy a property. And Lisbon has very creative uh, bed and breakfasts and hostels. Uh, oh, yes. they say and some right of the now with the A R N Bs, because most of these houses of uh, that of the old ladies in Alfama, they were yeah. kind of pushed. To go away because uh, they could, their family can make more money with the renting out the room. No. Not the family because they they didn't own the house. Mm. They were they were on lease. Oh, I see. Yeah, on lease, oh. and they got money to get out. And in order that the owner can do the totally renew of the building. Imagine you have this building that is owned by a private owner, and you have all of this the native population of a family living in this building, and this building is not in good condition. So the city hall has said that. Any investor can come, and if they buy the building, and if they commit to restore the building, they can evict the people that are living there. And then make some serious money. And make some yes. serious money. That's gentrification, isn't it? Yes. yes. And then the beloved black and white inlaid mosaic sidewalks. This. That's the tradition, and I understand now that people say they get slippery and they're expensive to repair. 
So they're talking about replacing them with modern but not But not on the historical centers. Oh, thank no. goodness. Historical centers, it make, it, they are protected. Everything that is in a historical center is always lots of paperwork. But on the new districts, yes. They're doing that for yes. practicality. Yes. It's the yes. reality of the yes. modern world. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about the neighborhoods of Lisbon. Let's just close with one little intimate way a tourist can from America can enjoy Lisbon without necessarily going to a famous museum, but just having a local experience. Christina. My local experience, and I always, I do it myself everywhere I go. I just find a place where I can have a, a proper coffee, uh-huh. and I sit and I just see people pass by. On a square? On a square. And that is very Portuguese because the squares to us is the outside of our homes. And it is easy to find in any square one of those old kiosks from the 1800s. And they are perfect. It's just a perfect place to be with friends and to meet other friends. Yeah. So With you, a, a bica. With a bica, a little coffee, a little espresso. <laughs> yes, yes, a little espresso. Taking advantage of those century-old and uh, just, kiosks. And just see people pass by. Raphael, how about you? So, of course, Lisbon is known for its beautiful, charismatic yellow trolleys. So a must-do is to ride the trolley. I recommend the 28, uh, that I think is the best. Trolley number 28. So really, for Americans, we know the uh, trolleys in San Francisco and the steep hills and the cobbles and the ring-a-ling-a-ling. It's the same thing. Uh, You would take number 28? Number 28. But I would like to add something. If you take the 28 tram, you will feel like a canned sardine. You will feel like you are in a theme park attraction. That's a problem, but there is a solution. Okay? So... What you can do is you wake up a little bit early and you take the tram in the magic hour. So at sunrise, the trams are empty. You're only going to see locals commuting. You go on the tram, the sky is pink, the seagulls are hovering the city, and you have the city for yourself. So if you take the tram at half past seven, before all the tourists come to the city, you can experience the trolleys like a traveler. That is a great travel tip. Cristina Duarte, Rafael Pereira, thank you so much for giving us a better understanding of your beautiful city, Lisbon. Obrigado. De nada. It was a pleasure. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.